0: Hey, how's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform, or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips.
1: doing welcome to episode 55 a double nickel episode in honor of Josh Bell Matt caps Michael McHenry of the Yins above replacement
0: podcast
1: I'm Rob becheffle I cover the Pirates for the athletic and I'm joined by the
0: peerless Stephen Jane Nesbitt Rob this was a busy week for baseball we had <laughs> yes, some big draft news we have a potential I guess solution to, to get us a, a 2020 season a I feel like it's changing by the hour here. So mm. today we, we could have one. Uh, tomorrow we might not. There's this sort of owners pitted against the players right now. Um, and you know, just, uh, reports going out left and right about who likes what and who doesn't like what. So let's start with, uh, I got into, uh, some pretty salty debates on, <laughs> on uh, Twitter this week about the, the draft announcement. So they did save the 2020 draft or part of it. Um there was a lot of question whether they were gonna just, uh, basically make the 2020 class lumped in with the 2021, which would have all sorts of, uh, difficult ramifications with it. So, they, they saved it. My, uh, you know, my beloved home, hometown Detroit Tigers still get the first overall pick. For the people at the top of the draft, I mean, for the, the elite, you know, upper crust prospects, it probably doesn't change all that much. The slot bonuses stay the same for the first five rounds. But it's after that where things get really strange um, <laughs> so first five rounds will go off uh, as normal and, and after that l- like literally everyone else is a free agent and you can sign them for a max of twenty thousand dollars which in in draft parlance is not very much uh not very much at all so it's uh i, I guess where I ran into some some uh some uh you know uh, some yeah yeah on on Twitter was. Was people had a problem with me saying that I I didn't think this had, um, you know, an inordinate impact negatively on the Pirates. Um, my argument there is that they're gonna have, you know, regular guys, whatever. You you have your regular first five rounds of picks. It's not gonna impact those first few guys. But of course, we know there's a ton of talent left on the board at that point and you have to pick and choose and find it. Well, at this point, the, the Pirates now have access to every single guy who's still draft eligible. And uh, they can offer him, offer him, and if the guy says no, then then okay. But there's no harm in drafting, or you know, sorry, the harm in drafting a guy is you might not be able to sign him. Well, in this case, you will have a pretty clear idea of whether or not this guy's going to sign with for twenty thousand dollars with you. The the huge downside here, of course, Rob, is is not on the team side. This is a prospect downside. It's going to hurt teams. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt every team down the road. But this is, you know, for that high school kid who's considering maybe he could have been, you know, five to ten round pick. He's no longer going to be in that huge signing bonus area, and, and maybe you go to college, right?
1: Yeah, it hurts them too. And also, I mean, because the you know the whole college situation too is scrambled because we don't know it, you know when they're going to play again, or yeah. in some cases, which teams, which you know programs will still be in existence, you know, a year or two or more from now. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see some programs shut down as a cost-cutting move, especially if there's no college football season because that's the the engine that drives the revenue in college yeah. athletics. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a there's going to be a lot of losers in this, short and long term. And it's going to take years for it to really maybe settle down for the de- the debris to all settle onto the ground and, and things to maybe get back to a version of normal. But I, I think – let's get back to your assessment of how this will affect the, the pirates. I, I yes. think some of the criticism levied – and I, I, I came to your defense too on Twitter and was also yeah. called out <laughs> – uh, although I shut it out after a while, just to, you know, ignored it. But uh, you know, I think you know a lot of people go back to that same, same lazy argument. Well, it's the pirates, and they don't sign anybody, and go Nutting's wallet, and blah blah blah. And yes, I'm, not, I'm you know you know me. I, I, I'm not enamored of the way ownership has put together the business model. And there are times when the pirates have taken an extremely maybe bottom dollar to an extreme approach with, with, you know, free agent signings with, with trades with, you know, acquisition in general, amateur talent, international signings. So yeah, there's some, some criticism you can levy there, but in this situation, you know, once you get past those five rounds, it is, kind of a level playing field and everybody's out there and it's the same kind of price tag. And there will be some guys who won't sign with the Pirates just because, Hey, I just don't want to play for the Pirates. And, you know, I just don't think that's a very big number. I think with players, and I found this at the minor league, and especially at the major league level, you can have a pretty ballpark. You can have a billion people on the stands. You can have a really cool logo or nice colors. You can have a great, you know, theme music song and whatever else. But at the end of the day, they want what all of us want. They want to make as much money as they can doing what they like. And sometimes the way to access that for players is not just to look in the short term. But with the Pirates, there could be a road to quicker playing time, to more you know development, whatever, however you want to look at it in that sense. And that could be a, a more of an attractive lore than just the $20,000 or the fact that the Pirates haven't been to the World Series in 40 years.
0: That's where I'm at too. I I think the upshot here is to be certain the player pool is going to be really whittled down. Mm-hmm. Um now players have to decide these potential draftees have to decide I guess what's smartest for them what what um because you're right right now and and as of a less than a month away they're going to have this draft and these guys have to start making some decisions. Um then by that point will they know if there's going to be a baseball season next year? What mm-hmm. if what if um let's say you just had your uh, college junior season, or let's say sophomore season, right? Um, uh, you just you're you're draft eligible. You're going to come out and you decide, you know what? I'm only going to get twenty thousand dollars out of this. This isn't isn't worth it to me. I think I can do better next year. And then what happens if the season uh, doesn't happen? You don't get your money this year. You may I don't know. Yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to figure out how that plays out in that player's yeah. favor. You're sitting out of baseball for for a year and and uh, really don't have enough money from that signing bonus to to you know you have to go get a job and everything, which <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't mind to see ballplayers going to get jobs these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so the player pool is going to be whittled down, and I I can accept absolutely that the Pirates' best way to acquire talent is through the draft. However, what I my argument is. That the pirates aren't necessarily all that great at drafting anyway, or they haven't been <laughs> yeah. in in recent years. What's so to say that they were gonna they were gonna build you know their their future teams out of those five through forty round um, picks? Mm-hmm. I I I think it's a greater advantage for them to have an opportunity to target anybody they want to out there without having the problem of like, well, this guy got drafted by the Yankees, we're not gonna be able to get him. This guy got drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, you know, we only you only have um, is it 40 rounds the draft typically is right now? Yeah, we still there. Yeah, by the way. So typically so. let's let's say for the sake of argument we're at, we're at 40 still mm-hmm. and um, and you get your first five round guys. Cool. It's going to go off the same way it always did. At that point, you have 35 guys you can, you can try to acquire at that point. Guys you signed. And by the end of, you know, past the 30th round, you're taking, you know, you're drafting Tom Brady and hoping he doesn't go to, um, you know, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't go to the football route. Uh, you know, the, the last 10 rounds, they're very, very rarely are you going to get guys, um, you know, who are going to be difference makers that late in the draft. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have, let's just say you have, you know, 15 maybe guys that you're that you're truly going to get in that draft you think are going to that really help you or could really have a chance to help you and aren't just like organizational fillers. Well now we're talking about however many guys enter this draft and make themselves eligible, you're going to have a chance to sign everybody after those first 5 rounds. Now, are you going to be able to? No. Are some some guys like you said going to say pirates, nah. You know, no, it's it's there is going to be a certain percentage, a portion of those uh, those players who, who don't want to go to Pittsburgh, whose agents say Pittsburgh isn't the best place for my guy to get a lot of money because let's say he is a great rookie, has a great second year. The Pirates aren't going to give him the biggest contract in the world. Maybe he'll get that somewhere else. So I, I'd rather steer him elsewhere. But, but the idea, this notion that everyone's gonna to go to the Yankees because they can pay more money is, is insane, right? The, look right. what, look, I, I had a couple players actually texting me about this this weekend, and they, one of them mentioned, look what they did to Clint Frazier. He was so stuck in a bottleneck in New York that he, he couldn't find his way to the majors. He couldn't, uh, this is a top prospect, a first round pick. Who, um, who just had so much trouble trying to navigate his way to the majors, even though in any other organizational, basically, he would have been really, really desirable. And, um, this guy is, is probably at what, 25 now? And he's still struggling to, to sort of yeah. get everyday play in the majors. So that's, this is going to ha- happen to a lot of those guys who slip out of the first five rounds. They have to consider, do I want to, um, you know, go to college maybe? Do I want to accept a $20,000 deal to go to the, to the Yankees, to the, to the Dodgers, to to these stacked farm systems? Or do I want to go to Pittsburgh where I can really see how a, you know, high school right-hander, how a, you know, college uh, first baseman could impact them? You know, they, they have some needs, even if not today, they have needs three and four years down the road. You know, a first baseman could see that they definitely need first base help, right? You have Will Craig behind Josh Bell, who's going to be gone in a couple of years anyway. I see opportunity there, and I think a lot of agents will – and the number of agents who, who, and advisors and players who, who totally write off the Pirates, I think is a lot lower than a lot of people think. Uh, people are going to be looking for opportunity. It's going to be the same price tag. That's why my argument is you say everyone's going to want to go to the Yankees. They have the exact same offer as the Pirates. You can offer, you know, they're going to have 30 offers. These sixth round guys will have 30 offers and it's all going to be for $20,000. And I don't think, you know, I think that, that, Pool opens up even if it's a weaker pool than than you may have hoped for from those you know six plus players. Yeah, well,
1: let's move from that to some of the. I mean, we're starting to see now as we're getting closer to that June June 10th date, uh, more mock drafts coming out. I know uh, uh, Keith Law today. we're um, recording this on uh, 13 May. Keith Law dropped his first version of his mock draft. Uh, Baseball America, I think, recently updated to version 4.0 maybe 5 of its mock draft and um, Keith you can hear up my notes Keith has the the Pirates taking a second baseman Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico State interestingly yeah. he's heard that they've also been linked to Patrick Bailey a catcher at NC State um, I could see either one of those those picks coming down a college player uh, you know obviously the Pirates have a big need at catcher so the Bailey name did not surprise me at all I think they need to, you know, upgrade their, their minor league system, certainly in that department. Um, the name that you don't see there. Well, let me back, back up a little bit. Uh, the Baseball America's mock draft released, I think it was just today as well. Um, Reed Detmer's the uh, left-hander yeah. at Louisville, University of Louisville. So again, another college guy, another guy, less development time, maybe closer to the majors, that kind of thing. Detmer's a guy who, Great overall skills and execution. Maybe he's not going to knock your socks off with his, his stuff. Um, but more of a lower ceiling, but higher potential, higher chance of him getting to the majors quicker kind of thing. So that's what the, the quote unquote experts are saying about the Pirates draft. The, the name that we saw early on in the whole mock draft process from BA was uh, Austin Hendrick, the, uh, outfielder right. at West Allegheny. It's not been a good month or so <laughs> for Austin. The, the, the whole shutdown has hurt his stocky. Yeah. Both of those mock drafts now have Austin going at number 15 to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, and one of them noted that, you know, Austin's going to be 19 years old at the time of the draft, which is a little old for a high school kid. Um, also not having done anything at all this spring. You know, when you're a high school player, maybe, you know, you're just, that's just lacking of development there and, and, and your name starts to fade a little bit in the minds of the evaluators, maybe. So, you know, Hendrick's stock going down and the Pirates, you know, at least according to the guys who are poking around on this are looking college age guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of teams will cause what you have on these high schoolers is going to be nothing later than probably, you know, fall ball. Mm -hmm. of of their senior season basically your best intel is going to be from their junior season and the summer after their junior season heading into their senior year of high school these are kids they develop so quickly and at this point you're seeing like video probably is your best you know scouting tool and and see what kids throw up on youtube and and so you have to feel for a guy like hendrick where you fall kind of um by no fault of your own you weren't able to show what you're able to do in that spring season but i think Teams are going to go maybe a little safer with college guys who so they've already seen against. Um, There's a larger sample size and more televised games, more more abs. Mm-hmm. And with the Pirates, it's an interesting pick. I won't pretend to like to to really be able to break down all these guys. I know the top handful of guys in this draft, but we ju- if we just look from a perspective of what do they need and baseball, you typically don't draft for need. You draft for uh, Skill, you know talent talent at the top of the draft. So. Um This could go a number of different ways. But if you do look at the positions where they need help, um I would argue that I don't think starting pitching really is where they need to go right off the bat. There are some options here. And if someone falls to you, cool. But I do think an outfielder, um, a second baseman, a catcher, I'm intrigued by catchers. You know, I've been banging the drum about their their lack of uh, prospects in the catching depth uh, whatsoever. And, uh, you know, a college guy could get here within a couple years and, and could really help out, I think. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to be trading for a guy or signing one in free agency and, and, you know, not getting a top of the line catcher. So this is your way you could get that top of the line catcher. It didn't work out super well with Reese McGuire. He, he bloomed pretty late and, uh, ended up trading him when you're, you know, displeased with his production basically and his, his future. So they do need, they do need a catcher. So I'd be, I'd be pretty fascinated to see them. Take a Patrick Bailey uh, out of NC State, college catcher, and, uh, you know, I th- maybe it's a reach. He, he's going right now in Keith Laws. He's going 11 to, to Chicago, who also has no catching depth. But um, I, I'd love to see that, and I think in the outfield you can never really have enough of those boppers out there because uh, you have a, you know, let's let's just play this out. If he arrives in a couple of years— um, and Gregory Polanco, you decide to keep him around for a little while, you can maybe move Gregory to first base. You know, a lot of outfielders, I think right fielders particularly can sometimes, uh, you know, it can be beneficial to move him to first base or get this designated hitter. Destiny. It's <laughs> coming. It's coming. So, so there's a, there's a couple of different ways I would, I would be intrigued to see them go, uh, with this, uh, with this draft pick.
1: I, I think too, the fact that, um, you know, with a college guy as opposed to a high school guy, With the high school guy, if he doesn't get the bonus money he likes, um, there really is not as nearly as much incentive to turn pro as there would have been before potentially, because sure. like you say, you know, that, and, and, you know, we're not sure if there's going to be, you know, the, the slots will still be solid for this first, for the five rounds, but you know, all it takes is one guy to give a little bit and, and sign well below slot. For, for maybe, you know, that to have a ripple effect down the line. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how the, how the signings go, whether, you know, teams stick to slot and actually give slot to everybody, or if there's, you know, a little bit of a downward trend. Uh, you know, hard, hard to predict at this point. And I, I, I'm not even, have they even announced anything for, is there, are there any changes to the international signing period, or, or is that delayed or oh, what? I haven't,
0: I that's, haven't noticed that one. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole
1: other, you know, cliche ball of wax kind of situation that that you know there's just so many different variables right now and i think before you know we can even wonder how that will impact ball clubs and especially the pirates you know down the line we still don't even know what's going to happen on july 4th when baseball may (laughs) (laughs) or may not be back in action in the united states so what do you think about uh you know we've seen as you mentioned at the outset here nez that there's been a lot of it's been a busy week for MLB and will continue yeah. to be so. They they met uh or at least had a virtual meeting, teleconference I suppose, zooming or whatever with the union and um exchanged some ideas and, and some proposals that the owners have approved for getting the players back in the field. Do you think this is gonna happen?
0: I I I am still optimistic. I know we're getting a ton of different noise uh this week and I wanna jump back to the draft super quick because I just realized oh, okay. The uh, the the Astros, I think they lost their first and second round picks in the Red Sox. I think lost their second round pick. This, this is a rough year to lose your top of the draft pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and I know not a lot of not a lot of people are mm. feeling bad for the Astros right now, but they're going to have three, four, five, and then and then a crack at signing whoever. So, um, so there there you have it. Don't feel bad for the Pirates. Feel bad for the poor uh, Houston Astros. Okay, back to the the previous point. The owners have come through and tossed out a. Their solution, their proposal to this whole baseball thing um, if I can recall the detail there's something like um, an 82 game season we're expanding the playoffs we're going to be in home, se- uh, home stadiums um, the first spring training I guess the second spring training is going to kick off in June and then we're going to have Right around July 1st, 4th of July, we're going to have uh, the season start back up and, and mm-hmm. of course, the universal designated hitter, one of the great rules in baseball, Ugh. future um, history, um, and then larger rosters is what we're seeing. So I don't, I don't see that as a terrible proposal. I can't imagine... A ton of players would say that's a terrible proposal. The question, of course, is going to come down to the money. And right now we're definitely in that negotiating and negotiating through the media statement this statement that they can't really sit down a room and, and hammer it out. Uh, that's currently, I think, illegal to do. So it's going to be a, you know, a wild zoom caller three and, and see what, see what comes of it. I, I think right now players have, have stepped up and made it really clear that uh their primary concern is well cash flow but also primary concern is uh safety can we do this safely can we do this in a way that won't harm our parent, our, our families uh, in a way that won't harm the the employees who need to be involved with the making of a game these uh, you know people who might not have a union protecting them might not have the greatest healthcare in the world uh what can we do to make sure you know if we're all stashed in in hotels or something that we're not going to be uh putting other people at risk and and uh Sean Doolittle had a had a really interesting um thread on this on Twitter if you guys want to track that down. Just some really good thoughts from a, a player on what is going through his mind at this point. And you also have former players. Mark Teshara comes out yesterday and said basically, uh, you know, players need to do what it takes to, to make a season happen. You can bring hope to the country. Um and that you know, that ruffled some feathers. People people uh don't <laughs> like seeing a guy who was very pro union at one point in time saying, you know what, it's the right thing to do. Uh, back off some of this money stuff um, and, and, you know, do whatever it's going to take. Um, it's a tough look for the players right now, especially, I think, because um, the league has, however leaks or scoops happen or whatever – The, it's, it's very clear the league says, Hey, we've got a a great offer out here. And that, that hits the media first, right? And it doesn't get real, doesn't get made super clear with headlines and everything that like, all right, this is all pending player approval and there are two sides to this coin and none of this happens without players. Um, and so it goes to the players and they start to give pushback. And then we see what we're seeing now, Rob, which is just a lot of people saying like, Hey, you rich people need to, um, You're right. Cool it. Take whatever money you get. Cause I'm not getting money from my paycheck and, you know, my family's out of work and whatever. So, um, this is kind of how, how things like this go. People, uh, when you start talking big money, people just say, well, we well, well, just accept what it takes. You're going to, if you're healthy and we find a way to do this in, in a, in a safe manner, don't complain about your, your, uh, your salaries or whatever paycheck is going to look like. So there are a ton of things that go into that because you know in future cbas or whatever like there there's you know precedent is an, is an important thing in any negotiation and so i think i'm sure the players are concerned with the sort of precedent this would set mm-hmm. and fans are just fans are just saying well you know you know to hell with precedent here i i just want to see baseball again so i am optimistic sorry very long answer i am optimistic i think something <laughs> will get sorted out we're sort of just in like in in the middle of this this uh, storm of words and, and i Think if it's safe. If they have testing, of course, that's the most important thing. We've we've said that from day one. Then I do think they can get back on the field this year.
1: There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, but Yeah, I, I'm I'm by nature kind of a slippery slope guy. Yeah, um, I always look at things and see. You know, you, you, you know, and in, in, it's not always a bad thing to you know to compromise to give an inch or or a couple yeah. of inches or a foot. But you realize too that when you know there are, when you give things up you know it's rare that you see a tax repealed for example <laughs> you know i think here in pennsylvania we're still paying a tax from the johnstown flood to to rebuild johnstown for that uh, i think they just kind of reappropriated that money and maybe renamed the tax but those things don't go away and i think the players take the same point of view that yes it would be the altruistic and wonderful thing to do to just put aside all the concerns about the money in the cba and the future you know, yeah. growth of revenue and, and salaries and whatnot. But if we do that here, even under these extraordinary circumstances, it's never going back to the way it was. That's what we keep hearing throughout this, you know, pandemic about everything is, you know, will America ever be back to the way it yeah. was, the new normal, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I think this, that's what the players are, are hearing and looking at. And they're saying, well, you know what, we we give up, you know. Potential revenue streams or approaches toward splitting revenue or, or managing salaries. And we never go back down. You, you can't go back down those roads when things are normal because you get used to doing things a certain way. It is present and established. So I was waiting for my phone to continue ringing. Did. <laughs> 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 it's a bad sign. Um, so I think that yes, I think the union is is rightly concerned, but at the same time you got, you, do, you do have to balance. You know, I, I saw to share his comments, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, he, I figured he was going to take some heat from that, and he has. Yeah. Um, I can't blame people necessarily either way. You know, I mean, there's a concern about you know, there, there's just so many balancing acts in this whole situation that we have never really contemplated or fully contemplated or never realized maybe how much they're all interlinked. And now we're really seeing how they are. And um, you know, eventually these things will work out, but it, it's just gonna mean it it you know, it could mean that we just don't have baseball in twenty twenty, even if there's a workable way to do it. And yeah, yeah. that might just be the price we have to pay. Um, you know, and and that would be that. If there is, and if this plan that's being you know, that's been leaked, flirted about uh, with the, you know, the 80-ish, 82-ish game season, you know, there, there's some interesting facets to it. And I agree with you. It's just like the DH is another thing that I think is, is the new normal. I think it will, it will be part of this plan and it will never go away. Expanded rosters. And that was something that we were going to see this year to 26, but I think yeah. we'll see them, you know, that, that's a bone that the union, you know, will try to get and. You know, and and the taxi squad situation is interesting. They're talking about groups of 50 players, active rosters of 30, and then a 20 player taxi squad. So I'm assuming that means everybody on your 40 man roster plus 10 guys, prospects, whatever. And you know, we obviously don't know details of will those players be? Will you be able to move in and out of the taxi squad over the course of the season, or if you're on it, do you stay there? Um, you know, I mean, just on the list for taxi squad or, you know, is that the pool, 50 guys, period, or, you know, barring injuries or whatnot. Um, don't have those details. I'm going to be interesting to see things like that. It would be interesting to see how the Pirates, whether that means how they would, you know, I'm assuming they would have guys like, you know, Coltuck and Cabrian and guys like that who you want to get reps somehow, some way. Um, that would be your taxi squad guys. And, and maybe you could control their service time because that's still going to be a Thing that the, the, the the owners are thinking about, you know, is keeping that kind of, that clock from ticking. Um, I was happy to see in a way, I guess kind of a good news, bad news scenario about the Pirates, the way it would be set up. Originally there was, there was talk of those three divisions, North, Central, or East, Central, and West. Now it would be like the NL Central would play the NL Central and the AL Central, and that's it. And you're thinking, hey, that's great. You know, you don't have to face the Dodgers or the, you know, the Nationals or the Braves or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> but the bad news is, uh, that right after this, you know, these details were leaked the other day, some, one of those online sports betting things emailed me with their, their <laughs> you know, fresh odds. And, yeah. uh, the, the over under, it's set for the Pirates win total in an 80 game season is according to this uh 33 and a half of the, the teams delay. in that That's AL and NL central grouping only the Royals 32 and a half Ooh. and Tigers 28 had lower projections 14 teams would make the playoffs but uh the Pirates odds of making the playoffs are 32 to 1 which again is third worst in the National League <laughs>
0: I think it would be so much fun to see an 82 game season, and I think players agree, which is mm-hmm. why I, I I am optimistic that after all this posturing, um, if they're able to to get testing and, and Rob, I, you know the reports that were coming out last night, um, which would be Tuesday night uh, about the the first day of meetings between the league and the union, was that oh we didn't actually talk uh, we didn't actually lead off with the revenue sharing uh, that was sort of just the the trial balloon floated before the meetings, they start off and they talk about testing, which is what they should, right? Like if we're, if we don't have a plan for how to keep uh, people tested and quarantine people who are sick and you know uh if you have to do what the NBA did and shut right down right when someone gets infected, then then yeah, we're going to be in uh it's going to be a pretty lost cause no matter what we negotiate now. So they started in that place. They'll get to the revenue sharing and players are going to balk. I'm sure at whatever the first numbers are, they're going to want more. They're going to worry about precedent. And that looks selfish. It's just by nature, it looks selfish to people who don't understand the situation or don't care to understand the situation or they do understand mm-hmm. it and say, y- it is your duty, almost like a public service here to, uh, to, to get back on the field and give the, you know, American people some entertainment and <clears throat> the slippery slope argument that you talked about it is, it is super important to whoever is making the slippery slope argue, argument, you know, mm-hmm. um, to just, you know, break the fourth wall that we've probably broken every show, um, in spring training, the, the minute that they say, hey, we're not going to let reporters into the clubhouses, we didn't quite know how extreme everything was going to get. We didn't know it was going to all shut down. <clears throat> Your first thought is, well, you're already starting to to erode some of my access. Um, over the years, it's gotten a little worse. Depending on sport to sport, it's even worse. Uh, you know, try to co- cover college athletics today. There's no access. You can't, you can't get the players you want to get. You can't tell the stories you want to tell. And in baseball, that's the first thing you make is a slippery slope argument that says, well, I'm concerned that, uh, if you take away my clubhouse access because of coronavirus, you'll just say, well, that works really well. Let me keep taking away other things. And this access is gone and that's gone and you can't be in the clubhouse anymore. We'll bring you one player. Um, you know, maybe you'll have some input into who that player is. So is that selfish on baseball sports writers, uh, part? uh to a certain extent it could look selfish but it's also like there's a really good reason why we why we don't want to set that precedent and baseball players are having to make you know that same slippery slope argument for their you know revenue sharing uh and it's it's again whenever you're making that argument there is there is a worst case scenario at the end of that that you're really scared of and you don't want to see happen and so they they're going to need assurances that whatever Wherever that that argument ends for them, that they're not going to get to that place. And that, you know, I don't know what you have to put in writing. Because we're, we're what, a, a year away from another CBA? I like think next yeah, year's yeah. Uh, another CBA. So there's a heck of a lot of, um, bargaining that's going to be happening naturally. And you don't want to take a step backward for your, for your side right before it starts. So I think we're going to get there. I would absolutely love to see an 82 game season. It would be madness. Um, you know, I think my, my old Tigers won like 43 games in uh in <laughs> 2003, one of the best years of my, of my baseball life and uh and uh that would, you know, that might get you in the playoffs this year. That'd be that would be great. <laughs> well,
1: let's take a little break here for a minute and you know, I don't know about you Nez, but one thing I've noticed during the whole uh, stay-at-home period of our lives now is I'm getting up 6:30 in the morning pretty much every day. And not because I want to, because believe me, I do not, but I just do. And I go downstairs and I look at my list of things to do that day, what stories I'm working on, what stories are due. Maybe I'll do a little stretching or something. But not everybody has the time or or maybe even energy to do that kind of stuff in the morning. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your morning. Hydrate creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water, and that makes hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs, and I'm talking about sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. They help hydrate you quickly, and you stay hydrated all day. Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists, so you know it's good. And it provides perfectly balanced and efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan. Not Mr. Spock. That's something else. It's Vulcan. But it's vegan. And you can choose between three different flavors or, you know, just go the easy route and pick the variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more money if you get that monthly subscription. So for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash athletic, and you'll get a 25% discount. Again, drinkhydrant.com slash athletic, 25% off your first order, drinkhydrant.com slash athletic.
0: I, I want to get back, Rob, to the, uh, to the DH because I always want to get back to the DH. You do. You American
1: me guys, you always want to get back to that DH.
0: Love it. So, so I, I stumped for it last week. It looks like it's part of the owner's proposal. Um, let's, let's say, let's, let's not go down that slippery slope. Let's just say it's here for this year. Mm-hmm. What does that do for the Pirates? Where, what do you do with this team if you have a DH every day? Uh, an extra roster spot, but also for a team that's focusing so much on defense. This allows you to do a little more with that, right?
1: That's a good point. Yeah, I guess in a way it could. I mean, the Pirates, as we mentioned before, they have a lot of guys who could do it and not always for the best reasons. Uh, You have Polanco could do it because we don't know if his shoulder is going to hold up. We have Josh Bell who could do it because, A, he hits home runs, but B, not great with the glove. Um, you know, there, we have Colin Moran who could do it because again, really bad with the glove, but also can be a decent hitter, but he's not really a, a, you know, a clubber. He's not a, you know, he's not going to hit 25, 30 home runs for you. Pirates don't have a lot of power in general, and that's, you know, can I, well, it obviously hurts them in the way the game is played now. And with the DH, I think it just, you know, underscores that problem a little bit more. That makes that deficiency even more of of an issue. But I think if you're going to do that, I, I think this is, a, this is a good time to do it, obviously, just because the circumstances are, are extraordinary. This, at the very least, is going to be a, a laboratory for those kinds of things. We could see how that could work. And if you're going to play games, especially so many more games against American League clubs, it just makes it easier on everybody just to go ahead and do it. I've I've kind of... It's funny I saw a tweet this morning from from C Trent Rosecrans uh, who our colleague who covers the Cincinnati Reds and he kind of feels a lot in some ways the way I do about it. I mean I I, I hate the Disney I'm just I'm just opposed to it just on the basis of that it exists as, as a thing. I just don't see it as it's just not the way baseball was invented or I just you know it I just hate having it around but at the same time I, I do, there is a little part of me that says, it's going to be kind of nice not to see Trevor Williams
0: swing a bat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No no offense, Trev, but
0: it's going to be nice. Insert random pitcher's name.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. So, so my heart is telling me one thing. My brain is telling me another. It's a, it's a yin and yang there, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm still, you know, I, do I mind you know, having a pitcher, you know, to a point where it annoys me. No, but I'm not going to also be annoyed that it. If he's not in the
0: lineup batting, you know, that much I'll get over it. Life will go on. I hope. <laughs> my snap. My snap reaction is that Gregory Polanco would be the perfect guy for that. Mm-hmm. I think they would rather protect him and maybe keep him from being their everyday right fielder than they would with Josh Bell. I think they have a lot of hope still for Josh Bell at first base um as he's made some improvements with the arm and and all that sort of stuff i don't think they're ready to just dump him in the dh it, moran doesn't make a ton of sense to me cuz i don't think you want your dh batting like 7th or yeah. something like that um this is <laughs> the bottom line is this is a this is a rule change that benefits other teams probably far more than it does the pirates yeah uh thinking about a team like the cubs i think they have uh this allows them to get another bopper in the in the lineup that they already have maybe someone they weren't able to squeeze in there uh regularly and it's a way they can rest their their position players the pirates i think it would allow them to really go dive into that defense first mentality where you could give it to polanco have an outfield of uh of reynolds and um heredia and uh who am i forgetting uh oh draw dyson and Oops. You have pretty, you know, pretty elite defense, I think, across across the outfield there, and use uh, Polanco to to hopefully stay healthy and, and give you a big bat in the lineup, bat fifth maybe, and uh, and on days where you'd like to give Josh Bell uh, a break, you can get him in DH and, and maybe do that twice a week or something, and let's say Jose Osuna gets hot, you know, he finally finally has that that uh stroke of brilliance that he's always shown in in spring training and uh you want to give him a spot in the everyday lineup Well, you sneak him in at, at first base you sneak him in at uh, at dh and i think there are some fun ways this could play out so uh, as you all know i'm a big fan of, of the dh i yeah i don't need to see more pitchers hitting the 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 exceptions are wonderful right the exceptions where pitchers are actually great hitters are really cool to see and yeah i i I, I don't like relish in the fact that we're taking this out of baseball potentially for forever. But uh I also think that um, as, as Trent said in that, that tweet that there is for me, I'd rather watch an unbelievable hitter against an unbelievable pitcher than a great manager, uh, you know, moving things around to get a double switch to get the right matchup. I, I understand the the beauty of that for people who grew up and in, in watching that. And I think, I understand the, the whole spirit of the game argument. Um, it's easier for me because I didn't grow up with that. So I don't have that spirit. So I, maybe I've lost the spirit it's of the like game. It's like you grew up but in I, East
1: Germany or something like that. And you just tell uh, Very close. <laughs> and I like Terri- how too, you, close you're trying to that. make the argument that it's going to create strategy and just say, no, it's not going to do that. It's just you're putting a guy on a lineup because you going to hit the ball.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, the strategy for sure goes down. It's just like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't grow up like loving the, the double switch and I, I, I think I made fun of people who tried to, uh, by saying like you, you wouldn't believe how many people rank the double switch as like, one of their favorite things about baseball. Like they can't fathom taking that out of the game. It's like, it's, I don't know. The American League game is great too. I, I don't think, um, I don't think it's a lesser version of baseball. It's just, it's, uh, a little more straightforward, I guess. And I, and I like that.
1: Maybe I hate it too. because when I was little growing up and you didn't have an even number of kids, and you're playing ball, uh, wiffle ball or, or regular baseball or whatever. And so you had to split up and, and somebody had to be the all-time pitcher. And it sounds great. When, I, when I, I remember I must have been like seven years, eight years old. And someone said, hey, Rob, you want to be the all-time pitcher? And I thought, I'm going to be the all-time pitcher. It sounds like I'm in some sort of youth league hall of fame or something. All-time No, that just meant I had to stand out there and throw into my arm fell off. And I never
0: got to hit. And it sucked.
1: So that's why I hate the d h maybe
0: <laughs> I respect that it's it's tough. it's tough to be a pitcher it's a i I have experienced it. this, yeah, just just <laughs> to be like open and honest with everybody. I've experienced the life of a pitcher when we play softball. I currently am um probably the backup pitcher for our softball team. When, you know, when softball summer leagues existed mm. and it's awful. The, the idea of slow pitch softball is basically to let them hammer the ball. And <laughs> it's just it, like I, I understand the feeling that Jeff Locke had when he went up to Colorado in the middle of the 2015 season, maybe 16. And, uh, they had a one off game out there, Rob. If you remember, they had a, a rain delay in Colorado. So they went back out yeah. there for one game. Yeah. They sent Jeff Locke out a day early to, to do it and he, he just got just shelled um and and i'm gonna I try to find this game because they they left him out there for for <laughs> 13 runs or something like that and it was and it, was, it was uh he he was having a nice season to that to that point and that's me every single time uh i go out to pitch for our softball team it's just uh it feels like the coors field airs around me
1: when i worked in southern maryland back in the day um there was it was adult softball leagues huge in Charles County, Maryland, and uh there's like i think two or three different leagues and about ninety different teams and anyway there was this touring group called the men of steel and i I guess that sounds like a a bat company steel or or something, and they were you know they were like barnstormers they were professional softball killers essentially, and they would play against local local clubs. And, uh, so you sort of pictured everybody having a handlebar mustache and wearing a wool uniform and, you know, those tiny little mists. Cause that's kind of what it felt like back in the day. But, um, so they, I was on a, uh, <laughs> quote unquote celebrity team. <laughs> there weren't many celebrities in Southern Maryland. I guess I qualified and we played against the men of steel and I did not want to be the all time pitcher there because I knew that Ooh. would be just devastating on my already fragile ego. So I played third base. And i made a lot of friends because I met every one of the men of steel several times in each inning. So I can only imagine your predicament as well being
0: the uh, Oh, yeah, the I, I, shower, found the, I found the, the Jeff League. Locke game. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Locke, this is the start of 2016. He had gone to Colorado in April and thrown six shutout innings. Hard to do. Mm-hmm. And by by the start of June, he had a 4-2 ADRA. Things are looking up for mm-hmm. for Mr. Jeff Locke. And, and June 9th, he goes out there. He throws four and two thirds innings, 11 hits, 11 earned runs, four, uh, three walks, only one homer. So Rob, you know, that's just, that's just double after double after double. And he goes out there, tosses, valiantly tosses 101 pitches before they finally lift him. And that had to be the worst, um, worst, probably one of the worst days of his career. He just had to sit there and take it. That's rough. Yeah.
1: That's the kind of thing that'll set you back, send you into therapy. Well, this has been a, an interesting, uh what interesting point of the baseball. What do we call this? This isn't the off season. This isn't exactly the preseason. This is the baseball. We need a name Mid-season. for this time of year. No one has ever named it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the, the mid the mid spring break. The mid spring break. All right, we'll deal with that. But this has been an interesting, and I, as, as things could be turning out, pivotal point. And I'm sure next week we'll have either a lot more things to talk about about this or or nothing. Oh, it's all over. <laughs> it's all over. And we're shutting it down until next year. Yeah, if it is the case, we will talk to you in spring 2021 from Bratenton. But if it is not, and we hope it is not, and, and there's still a chance that baseball will live on, then we will talk to you later.